This is your Tuesday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Hope everybody's having a good day today. Good stuff coming up here. Andrew Kramer joins me in just a little bit for a film review. Looking back at that 37-10 Vikings loss to the Packers. You know, not much went right. We'll look at whether they could have run the ball more. And we'll also take a look, though, at some guys this year who have maybe shown that they belong in this league and could have a bigger role going forward for the Vikings. As we do most Tuesdays as well, my least favorite team is my favorite team. Taking a uh, maybe more of a fan's look back at that Vikings-Packers game and the big picture of where this franchise stands right now. Look ahead a little bit towards the end to a big basketball game tonight. But first, what did I miss? You know, in sports, teams often use the cliche overcoming adversity just to describe any little hurdles in their path, whether it was, you know, a penalty that went against them, just some small thing in a game. But I do feel like that phrase is going to be particularly true in the coming weeks and months in sports and in life as we deal with this Omicron variant that is, you know, disrupting our lives once again, you know, larger than sports, much larger than sports, people having to readjust plans, people getting very, very sick again, unfortunately, um, you know, we're dealing with it in our house already. No, nobody here has it, but our, um, you know, our five-year-old is starting distance learning again instead of uh, instead of in person for this week. And everybody's having to alter, change their plans right now. <clears throat> and in sports, that means a lot of players, you know, out right now with various things. Teams dealing with the quote-unquote adversity. And I think how how teams respond to that will tell a lot to how. Their seasons either finish or you know continue right now, and I think you know looking at three teams in particular here in Minnesota, we saw the Vikings Sunday night had the ultimate test of adversity, not playing with Kirk Cousins out with COVID, and they they failed that test miserably. Right, they lost thirty-seven to ten. Get into that a little bit more later on here with Andrew Kramer, and in my least favorite team is my favorite team with Keith Rashad, but you know. It, Adversity, you know, how a team responds to it is, you know, a, a mark of that team. And I think the Vikings, the effort they put forth in that Sunday game was indicative of a team that had just reached its end of being able to deal with the adversity that had been thrown at it this season. And the Wild is in the midst of kind of a similar stretch. They've lost five in a row. Their schedule's all over the map. They're playing, they're not playing. You know, just things are not going their way. They've got now they've got Jordan Greenway in COVID protocols. They've got Cam Talbot injured out for Thursday's game against Boston. And we'll just, you know, now we'll see how how they continue to deal with the adversity that's being thrown at them. But so far, you know, they had been a resilient team this year. But now with this five game losing streak, that is being tested in a bigger way. And I dare say the Timberwolves right now are probably dealing with adversity the best. They had a big win on Monday night against the Clippers. No Carl Anthony Towns, no D'Angelo Russell in that game as they both worked their way back from COVID protocols, but still a motivated Patrick Beverly, Anthony Edwards with the big game, a lot of other role players stepping up. Jalen Noel has really found his way into this rotation through this adversity, taking advantage of an opportunity and has become a player they can count on. So, you know, They've kind of fought their way through this stretch. It wasn't necessarily pretty. They did have three losses in a row before that one. But now, after they've fought their way through, they've got you know a bunch of games coming up here against the lower part 
of the Western Conference. You know, teams like Houston, New Orleans, and Oklahoma City. Those are their, those three teams are the Wolves' next four games. So a chance to get better here now that they're potentially going to get Towns and Russell back from those COVID protocols. So how you deal with adversity right now, you know, you know, it's always important in life and in sports, but it feels particularly important at this juncture of where we're at right now. And, you know, that's not to say things won't be different tomorrow or the next day for any of these teams, but it does tell me right now where teams are at. And I feel like the Timberwolves, for whatever reason, are dealing with adversity the best of the bunch in this moment. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake for 24-7 gaming, fun restaurants and bars, and luxurious hotel rooms. And join Club M to bask in the rewards. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. It is film review time with Vikings writer Andrew Kramer. Whether you like it or not, we're going to talk about that 37-10 to 10 loss Vikings at Packers on Sunday night. Utterly predictable in a lot of ways once we knew Kirk Cousins was not going to play that game and it played out kind of how we thought. But some interesting stuff in it, Andrew, I want to get into the insistence that they should have run the ball more. And then maybe we can talk a little bit about some uh, some players you're writing about in your film review. But uh, just right off the bat, it, it, it my, you know, Mike Zimmer has had this idea throughout his tenure. He, he He's a coach who, you know, he's a defensive coach and defensive coaches tend to like the running game because it's, you know, it, it works the clock. It, it kind of keeps the defense fresh in theory if you're able to do it well. And he was, Upset. He's been upset periodically throughout his whole coaching tenure when the Vikings don't run the ball well enough. It was an issue in 2018 with John Filippo, and it was an issue again on Sunday when he thought they should have run the ball more. But he's facing a lot of eight and nine man fronts. Like, was it really an issue of they needed to run the ball more, or was it an issue of they just couldn't run the ball because that's all Green Bay was trying to stop because Sean Manning was the quarterback? The coaching staff, actually, and, and here's the thing. I haven't gone back because the NFL is abysmal at putting up their uh, all 22 coaching film now. Yes. It takes 72 plus hours, sometimes weeks to get up. So we might not know the answer of what Green Bay was fully doing. Um, but the coaching staff disagrees with you. They, Mike Zimmer has now said twice that Green Bay was playing a lot of shell coverage over Justin Jefferson, in, inferring that the safeties were deep. Now, I'm sure that happened in instances, but Zimmer's biggest gripe was, as it always is, and as you mentioned, was they didn't stick with the run. They didn't do it enough. He had the stats right off the top of his head, 11 runs. Two of them were by Sean Mannion, so really it was just nine runs with Dalvin Cook. Zimmer saying, Cook and Justin Jefferson are our best players. They need to get them the ball. Nobody can argue with that, but it is very telling for the relationship between Zimmer and the young Clint Kubiak, who at 34 years old is a first time play caller this year and the struggles he has gone through getting to the point where Zimmer is now mentioning after they've been eliminated from the playoffs, specific examples from Sunday's game. We just spoke to him on Monday of this week after the Sunday night loss. And Zimmer was pointing out examples where he said, I told Clint, we need to run it here. You know, and Clint didn't decided to throw it. We took a sack. And Zimmer saying Clint thought, you know, we could run it on second down and he had a good first down play instead. So, and I think Zimmer mentioned one time too, uh, he can't, sometimes he can't hear me on the headsets and it's just a mess. It's a mess. And it speaks to the miscommunication that has gone on between these two 
And what really persists with Mike Zimmer, the head coach, I don't think you'll find, I don't think you'll find anybody who says this guy's not one of the best defensive coordinators in football, but as we've said for eight years, it's managing the full team. And I think that's part of his undoing potentially here in Minnesota. Agree with that. Um, you know, the game itself, not a ton to get to again. It was just, it felt, it felt like Aaron Rodgers didn't even have, it wasn't really even tested all that much in that game. Vikings missing, you know, some key personnel, like they have been in a lot of these games, they're secondary missing some people, but it, it wasn't like Aaron Rodgers was carving them up with these kind of precision 20 yard throws, uh, you know, right on the numbers. Like he had a lot of easy eight and 10 yard completions that were just, you know, just wearing the Vikings down all night. They, they were. And I think a big part of the issue, not only with Mike Zimmer, um, where this Vikings team is at eight years into this tenure, but also with Rick Spielman as general manager is, I mean, the cupboard is empty at corner. If it's not Patrick Peterson, it's just throw it against whoever you want. And we can't say Alexander had moments this year. He's playing injured through a rib rib issue. So who knows how that's totally affecting him right now, but he hasn't been the same player. Chris Boyd, every time he steps out there is getting torched and in his third year has not shown the development you'd like to see at that point. And he shouldn't even be out there because you've got a third round pick and camera dancer who can't stay healthy and stay out there. You've got um, Jeff Gladney, who's uh, released, obviously. You've got Mike Hughes, who's playing for Kansas City, and you've got a sixth-round pick for. Um, all these resources that you sunk into one, your head, what your head coach has called the most important position uh, outside of pass rusher on his defense, and you haven't been able to find answers for it. So I think that's showed on Sunday. That showed If you look at the stats um, with Aaron Rodgers against this team in the last two matchups, even though the Vikings won that game at U.S. Bank Stadium, Rodgers has just owned them. He's owned everybody in this division. And the Vikings, Ben wrote this uh, off his game story at Lambeau Field, but it was perfect in the way he framed it because the Vikings feel like they're right where they were eight years ago when they were looking to fix this defense and looking for a new Mike Zimmer. They do indeed. Um, maybe we can end this on a slightly more upbeat note, though not so much about that game in particular, but about, you know, COVID injuries, everything that's happened this season has has forced the Vikings to dig deep into that cupboard you spoke of. And in some places, it's pretty bare. The secondary, I think we would agree, or at least corner is one of them. But you, you've written about a few guys who maybe showed some potential this season to help down the road 2022 and beyond. And they're going to need that help because a lot of these, you know, expensive aging veterans, um, you know, if there's a transition, if there's a turnover on this roster that accompanies some of these projected, you know, leadership changes that some of those guys could get counted on. Who, who do you think you saw this season that you say, okay, we don't know everything yet, but th this guy could be a player. Yeah, as we talk about the guys in this organization who don't have staying power, um, there are some people who do, some, some young players who I think really showed some things. And I know we talk about the secondary and the lack of, of depth there, but Cam Bynum's been a revelation um, there. He's somebody that the coaching staff has actually schemed up packages to get him on the field, to get McK Mackenzie Alexander off of it, and so they can put Harrison Smith down at the line of scrimmage. And some of that's worked for them, and they wouldn't be able to do that without a third safety in Bynum. And, and for a rookie to do that at a position that's a lot about intellect, um, I think that speaks a lot to his ceiling. I mean, he might be able to be um, an Anthony Harris type player for them moving forward because that kind of fits that mold. Unfortunately, uh, KJ, he, he went on the COVID list to Monday, unfortunately. So we'll see if he's available based on the new protocols for the finale. 
it's just insane. Yeah, they've got five guys they put on the COVID list today, three offensive linemen. We didn't even mention that. They've got um, – they're down to six offensive linemen on the active roster right now. Could we uh, see Could we see um, Wyatt Davis on Sunday? Yeah, well, like I mentioned, they got six on the roster, so, or, so they could start five and still have Wyatt Davis coming off the bench. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> so uh, he's probably not one of the five that we've seen enough from this year. Who, who else have you seen that you think this guy could be a player? Yeah, I think two obvious ones are, are KJ Osborne and Kenny Wangwu. Um, both of those guys just really emerged. And KJ from the start, he was more book uh, kind of um, pigeonholed as their slot receiver coming into the season um, with Thielen and Jefferson on the outsides. But he's really shown that he can be that versatile guy, move around. He started for Thielen, caught four touchdowns in the last five games while Thielen's been dealing with that injury. And that's the kind of depth that everybody's been asking for for years from the Vikings. When are you going to develop? When are you going to find the next Jarius Wright. Lo and behold, they get a guy with his exact number out there doing stuff that Jarius Wright did for years on third down and in critical moments for this Vikings team. KJ had touchdowns in big moments against Pittsburgh, against Carolina, against Arizona um, that really helped either keep them in those games or help them win those games. And, and he's a big reason why I think moving forward, Adam Thielen's only getting older. And I think Adam's got all of, of us good, are Andrew, plenty of good years left. Um, but you just wonder if, if that contract or, you know, if you wonder if they could move him potentially if they start rebuilding too. And KJ is a guy who can make that potentially a little more um, palatable. Should they do something like that? And then the other guys I had just two more, um, the kicker, believe it or not, I went with him because I, I think he actually has proven that he can be a guy that can be relied upon, bounce back from bad games, bounce back from bad moments, uh, deal with Mike Zimmer for an entire year. And if you can do that, I don't, it doesn't matter who they hire. I think they'll be all right um, at kicker. And then um, I actually got a double. Oh, Ezra Cleveland is yeah. my last one. Again, on the COVID list for this week. On the COVID list. But Ezra Cleveland has been really good for them. And it's, it's a little overshadowed by the issues that Garrett Bradbury and Oli Udo and whoever's been starting at that spot have had for them um, this year. But Ezra's been a little bit of a revelation too. And, and he's gotten stronger. And you can see him. There was a play against Chicago a few weeks ago where he just moved Eddie Goldman off the ball a couple yards and Goldman, one of the best nose tackles and has been for years in Chicago. And that that's the kind of play that says something I think about uh, potential and alignment and the Vikings should be feeling pretty good about what they have in Cleveland. Well, we'll see how good they feel. We'll see who is evaluating these guys going forward. Um, Andrew, good stuff with the film review. We'll probably do this one more week next week. Maybe take a look at, that Bears game, whatever transpires in it, and also maybe some of the uh, some of the guys that uh, might be coming and going. So good stuff. Appreciate it. Get some uh, get some rest, and we'll catch you again next week. Sounds good, Mike. Thanks. Good stuff as usual from Andrew. And we'll be watching today to see if there are any indications that there might be a shakeup in leadership with the Vikings. Don't know if that would happen before the season ends. Don't know if a decision has even been made yet. But these things tend to happen quickly when they do happen. Welcome to another award-winning segment. My least favorite team is my favorite team. Keith Rashad joins me again. We skipped last week, which was just as well, because that loss to the Rams was fairly nondescript and predictable, as was Sunday night's debacle. Is maybe a, a good word for it against Green Bay, but when it's so utterly predictable based on... Kirk Cousins being out with COVID, which was utterly predictable in the first place. And, um, you know, just the way the game goes, you could see it coming from a mile away. 
it uh you know it 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 words are uh, are hard to come by for a game like that but uh, we will try anyway will we not <laughs> i've got no poetry this week because that's fine that, the, the game doesn't deserve it the game didn't deserve poetry well and the other part is you know so we've been doing this segment all season long and it's been fun and you, you I come on and I, I get overexcited about the Vikings and say dumb things. And it's just an enjoyable uh, perspective from one fan who's watched his team his entire life. Yes. But the problem, and, and I've tried to keep it in that spirit and in that vein and, and lighthearted. But the problem is, is like this Vikings team and that game is just a microcosm for the idiot society we live in today. And it just is because you know, there are basically two groups of people in this world, right? There are those folks who, who uh, understand and recognize that we are part of a society and that there's connections in that, that we affect each other. And then there are those people in this world who are so committed to uh, an idea of individualism and their own sense of self that they refute any level of connection whatsoever. And this Vikings team, right, you know, you hate to put it through the perspective of football, but this is the society that we're in. And, you know, both of those perspectives have a certain amount of value and are understandable. And when you get, but when you get to extreme with either one of them, you end up with, with something bad, right? So if you're completely devoted to the community, then Sure. You, you know, you look at a place like China where, you know, there's a, a repressive regime and structure, but then you get this commitment to this sort of sense of individualism where you're not going to do whatever anybody tells you to do and government can't tell you what to do and all this kind of stuff. And you end up right being the highest paid player on your team who can't play a game because apparently your little plexiglass box didn't work. And uh, meeting outside in January didn't work. And you're exactly the most predictable thing possible that could have happened for this team this season did, where in the one game that they absolutely needed to win, their high-priced quarterback who hides behind the guise of, of many different things, right, it, it, as a, in, in this effort to demonstrate what a, what a good guy he is and how committed he is to some sort of higher calling uh, is ultimately demonstrated to be utterly and completely selfish and unwilling to think of not just uh, himself, but, the, but the, his team and the rest of society in making a choice that led him to not be on the field for the game that they needed him to be on the field for. And I just, I would be absolutely fine with never seeing him in a Vikings uniform ever again. And that, and what, let's also note, it wasn't just him, that oh. there were many players on this team who behaved in the exact same way. And for a team that seems to have people who in, in the abstract would seem be relatively likable, it turned out to be a very unlikable team who demonstrated a level of callousness and selfishness that ends up <laughs> costing the team in a way that is a microcosm of how that attitude costs our society as a whole. 
Yes, and the irony is, too, that Green Bay's quarterback is in the same boat and missed a game earlier this season for the same COVID-related reason, and they lost that game, too. The difference is their high-priced quarterback is good enough to make a difference in all the other games except for that one, that the one didn't matter all that much. They will still be the number one seed in the playoffs, which hurts even more if you are a Vikings fan and basically pick them apart on Sunday with some pretty basic passing um, schemes that, you know, the game, you know, Sean Mannion for all of his effort and for, you know, whatever he brings to the table, just there, there was just not a way that they were going to win that game with what he was bringing to the table or what, you know, what the running game wasn't producing, what he wasn't able to produce to make up for that. Um, I don't know that Kirk cousins would have been the difference in that game, but certainly would have given them a much better chance at least to, to do that. But, you know, let's, let's be honest. Um, Again, we've talked many times in the segment, how we are not of the tank, get the draft pick mode, but at a certain point, um, it, it is you kind of want you kind of want definition in a season. You don't want kind of this: are you in? Are you out? And that Sunday night game sure seemed to bring clarity to a season that was trending towards this clarity. But that that seemed like the final piece of clarity in the this is not working. This is who this team is. This is who the leadership is um, in this in this whole thing. But did it? But did it actually do it, that? Right? It did for so, me. It did for well, me at least. Maybe for you, but right. All of the you know, I I consume my share of Vikings coverage, right? And one of the things that I've heard consistently was that this team and the upper echelons of the organization seem to believe that this this particular team could compete this year. That they had done enough to put the pieces together to to make it seem like they had the opportunity to be competitive this year. And as we talked about at the beginning of this season, anybody looking from the from the outside looking in who would had any rationality whatsoever had to think that that could not have been the case, right? That that was not a rational or reasonable thought. A bunch of patchwork trying to patchwork together the defense. The offensive line wasn't particularly fixed, right? There, the, the Mike Zimmer was still going to be Mike Zimmer. Kirk Cousins was still going to be Kirk Cousins, right? And so we can say, all right, now we have definition for this particular season. But if the people who are running this organization thought that they had enough to put together at the, at the beginning of the season – one can envision a really dumb scenario where they somebody talks somebody into believing that, well, it was a lot of bad luck. It was COVID. It was, you know, it was Daniil Hunter getting injured, right? We're, we're still just that very close if we can just patch together a few more things. And 
it kind of seems like, I don't know, I'm not an insider, you might know better than I do, but kind of seems like there might be a lot of backstabbing kind of going on at Winter Park right now. And this person saying, well, it wasn't my fault, and that person saying, not my fault, and Mike Zimmer's getting on the podium basically saying, it's not my fault. And, and so it, it, it makes you wonder if somebody isn't going to win this backstabbing contest, and then we'll, we will continue to operate under the vein that things are okay, or we just need to do this a little bit more, when frankly, this team is not close. And it's got an aging defense, the offensive line isn't fixed, it's got a quarterback who cannot overcome the limitations that he brings to the table for the salary that he brings to the table. He would be fine if he were a million dollar quarterback, but he's not, right? He's going to make three times that next year and you cannot have that and so they're not close and and my fear is that we don't have that clarity precisely because of the rhetoric that that seemed to be happening within the building before the season began i think the only inaccuracy in that was that they're at TCO Performance Center in Egan now and not Winter Park oh <laughs> <laughs> that was the only part well, of that that i deem inaccurate because i think you're right i think anytime there is you know the the, the deck well, chair best player on defense was jimmy hendrix all year long jimmy hendrix so. all year long playing those playing those sweet solos um <laughs> it was yeah i mean I, it does feel like there's a staring contest going on and there's you know an attempt to to say it's not my fault um usually when things like this happen though it is a, a bigger regime change that happens um we'll, we'll see I, it is i just you know as i was watching the game sunday night and i was trying to imagine a scenario where they ran it back i just imagined how toxic u.s bank stadium would be in 2022 if that was the case and just every single thing that went wrong they would be getting jumped and it would just be like unless something completely magical happened, which is like a one in a hundred proposition. It feels like to me like this, you're right. This team is not close. I feel like the Rams game really reinforced how far away they are, that that game was just a, a clear cut definition of what a contending team looks like and what a fringe team looks like. And what happens when those two teams play, when everything is basically on the line, when one team's trying to secure its spot and, you know, move up in, you know, move up in the rankings. And, and one team is just trying to hang on. That was the difference. That's the difference. That's the Rams are where the Vikings were like five years ago, where you thought the Vikings were on the up. They had that defense. They were just trying to find, you know, the, the, the right combination. You know, they won 11 games in 2015. They won 13 games in 2017. It just felt like they were, you know, they had a lot of those pieces and they felt like they were that one quarterback away. And I don't know if, Kirk Cousins was, you know, we, like you said, Kirk Cousins is not all to blame for this, but you know, like I've mentioned on numerous podcasts, it's like Mike Zimmer saw this coming at the 2018 scouting combine. He was like, we got to make the right decision here or else I'm probably going to get fired. And that very much could happen. And I'm not, it's not all Kirk Cousins fault because he's played a reasonable brand of quarterback. It's just when you pay a money for B work, it, the numbers don't add up. Well, a couple things about that. And first of all, I, I, you're right that Zimmer did predict it, but it also begs the question, how much did Zimmer initiate a self-fulfilling prophecy? 
in the sense that he didn't seem to be particularly interested in actually working with Kirk Cousins. And we heard the stories. This was finally the year they started meeting together. So that's point one. To what extent was it a self-fulfilling prophecy? Because you're absolutely right. He did predict it, but how much did he make it happen? Okay. And then the second is, is just a, a question for you, because I think that you're right. I think if they did try to run it back, it would be toxic next year. But then the question becomes, how much change would need to happen in order for it to not be toxic? Because it kind of seems like the coach isn't surviving past this year. Uh, I'm not sure that's enough. Right? No, I don't think it is either. Do you have to get rid of Rick? Do you have to get rid of Kirk? Do you have to get rid of all of them? Can you, could you, not that I, not that I would advocate for it, but could the organization keep one of them? keep two of them, what would it take to, for it to not have that toxicity? I feel like for it to not have that toxicity, I feel like it has to be a pretty clean break. I feel like the only thing, the only one of the three I could imagine staying in some capacity, but not with his current title is Spielman. I could imagine them booting him into some sort of consultant role where he's got a lot of organizational and league knowledge, but they hire somebody else who is the principal decision maker and they let go of Zimmer and whoever they bring in makes that coaching hire and they do everything they can to trade Kirk Cousins. And I think he's a tradable asset still. I think he's played well enough. And, you know, a, a one season cap hit for a trading team wouldn't be off the charts bad. And they could, you know, if there was a team that wanted him for a few years, could extend him and make that cap number even, you know, more more manageable. I think he's still tradable. It's just, it's hard for me to imagine a scenario where a new regime comes in, but Kirk Cousins is still here for a year. Um, I feel like the strategy now is clean break. If you don't feel like you can draft your quarterback right away, don't draft your quarterback right away. Find a, you know, a stopgap, you know, somebody who's not Kirk Cousins, but find your stopgap who can, you know, bring a little bit of a level of credibility to the position next year and then really kind of hit that hard reset and, and, and look at 2023 as kind of your, uh, this is when we're going to really turn the corner again. Well, so then two more questions, right? What is, what is the minimum you're willing to accept in a trade for Kirk Cousins? Because, uh, you know, he may very well still be tradable, but that, that's hard. That's going to be hard at the, the cap number that he's at. And it's not impossible. We've seen crazy things happen. Uh, is, so maybe he is tradable, and it, it's not as if he is without value, as we've talked about before. Uh, then the other thing is more of a statement, which is just that we have to acknowledge at this point that next year is not going to be any better, right? It can't we have be. to I, acknowledge that. I mean, you've got the you got salary cap problems. You got all these aging defensive players. I, I don't see how it can be better. Well, all right. Happy New Year. <laughs> <laughs> so. I mean, that's just that I don't think it can. I mean, like I said, it's that it's that one in a hundred thing. It's like 2017 when it just somehow came together and they won 13 games with Case Keenum. Like it's, it's kind of feels like that where, you know, it takes weird scheduling breaks. It takes, you know, Aaron Rodgers going out with an injury early in the season. You know, you don't wish injury upon people, but that was a big influence on 2017 was that happening in, you know, that early game against the Packers, man, you know, Case Keenum playing out of his mind, 
the Minneapolis miracle. I mean, just a lot of things happen. Like it's, it's that kind of scenario. You can't plan for that. You can hope for that. But again, it, it, it feels like the ceiling for 2022, if they ran it back would be what it was this year and maybe even a little bit lower. Yep. You know, as we think about the Vikings potentially shaking up their quarterback situation, let me, let me throw this out at you. The Vikings won at least 12 games in the season four times during that era where they went to four Super Bowls between 1969 and 1976. Since then, they have won 12 games in a season just three times in their history. And all three of those times were basically veterans or journeymen leading them at quarterback. Randall Cunningham in 1998, Brett Favre in 2009, and Case Keenum in 2017. So, you don't. There's this kind of a myth that you either need to go big in free agency to get a quarterback, or that you need to draft and develop. Their most their most success has typically come in those kind of one year bursts where they've found that guy that just kind of caught lightning in a bottle. So I'm just saying, if they decide to make a decision to move on from Kirk Cousins, it does not necessarily mean they're not going to have a functional good quarterback in 2022. Let's finish with the cooler. Gophers men's basketball against Illinois tonight. Looking forward to that game. Both teams, you know, having some layoffs. Again, COVID impacting those programs. Gophers had a game canceled last week. Illinois had a bunch of players in protocols. But, you know, it's another chance to see where this team is at. Probably the most intrigued I am about a team in this market right now. And this will certainly be a test to watch. I think I'll have Marcus Fuller on a show later this week to talk about this game, to talk about this program and where they are at. So look forward to that later in the week. That will do it for today. Thanks for listening to Daily Delivery. Be back at it Wednesday. Likely to have Chris Hine for some Timberwolves talk on that show. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. I'm Michael Rand. We'll be back at it tomorrow. 